You are listening to the Simple Self-Care Podcast by Naturally Randy Kay, a show dedicated to taking good care through connecting with the natural rhythms of the seasons and your own inner wisdom. I created this podcast to show you that self-care is more than a buzzword and a good intention. It's a vital tool for your healing journey that can fit beautifully into your everyday life. Join me as we explore the nature within and remind ourselves that we are our wisest healer. Hello, my dear listener, and greetings from the frozen tundra of Fargo, North Dakota. While it is currently negative 12 outside, I am still happy and warm on the inside thanks to the conversation I get to bring you today. For this week's episode, I got to sit down with the gentleman from the JJ Meets World podcast, JJ Gordon, the charming host, and Tucker Lucas, the witty producer. Not only are these guys talented and hilarious, but they are also my longtime friends that are always fun to be around and connect with. I invited these guys on to talk about how important it is to make laughter and having fun a part of your daily life, and also how comedy and creative outlets can play an important part in the healing process. This episode is full of so many gems on the valuable role that humor has during hard times, the universal language of laughter, the magic of improv comedy. We talk about how to add having fun to your self-care practice, the importance of having judgment-free creative outlets, and when to know when it's time to give your always funny friend a little bit of a break. And it's also full of embarrassing stories about myself from high school and beyond. Yes, Uh, contrary to popular belief, I wasn't always this super cool, put together, super hip woman. Yeah, I know that's hard to believe, but these fellas love to point out my dorky theater nerd, everyone's little sister role I had in my younger years. So hopefully you'll get a kick out of our reminiscing and silly stories you know, bring a a smile to your face at my expense, the very least. But these guys do offer a lot of wisdom as well that I am very excited for you to hear. So let's get to it. Enjoy. Okay. So first of all, thanks for letting me come into your podcast studio and interview you for my podcast. You're very welcome. We're happy to have you here. <laughs> yes, we're here in the JJ Meets World podcast studio where we are surrounded with um, microphones, actual microphones, and not me alone in my room. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that you brought your blanket, but we don't need that here. We have real soundproofing <laughs> in the studio. Yeah, thank you. Well, it's security purposes, oh, okay. really, is why I bring it. We, we have some really great action figures here as well. Um, You're I, getting a rare look at the studio before we've actually outfitted it, because we're this is our first, as of this recording, this mm-hmm. is our first weekend recording in this new studio. That's wonderful. So we haven't even uh, painted it or put the action figures up on the wall yet. Yeah, we've technically had, this is our fourth studio, uh-huh. because we had the original one that you were in. Yes. Then we had Tucker's Apartment. 
Then we had our studio that's two doors down, and then this one. Sweet. Our next studio is going to have a water feature. <laughs> Trickling in the background. Yeah. I got this thing where it's a like a watering can, and it looks like it's being held up yeah. by like a ghost. We won't like even have no to one. steal the electricity anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be pretty impressive. I can't wait. I'll have to come back for that one. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, thanks. <laughs> thanks, guys. Well, I was on your podcast. You were. Episode seven. And I was like, has it seriously been a year? It's almost? been a year. It has, yeah. That's insane. Just about. Your podcast has grown quite a bit. You have almost 100 episodes now. Yeah, we're pretty We're pretty pumped about this thing. It's uh, We do two episodes a week. They're each an hour long. So we're over 100 hours of content that's been created. And it's tiring. <laughs> Like, I know. But we've gotten to meet such in amazing people throughout this time. And yeah. the episodes are all so diverse. Even when we do an episode that's similar to another one, for example, we've done two improvised episodes. Uh, even though they're the same on paper, they're drastically different in content. And that's been really exciting. Yeah. And getting to meet new people is fun. Mm-hmm. And like people bring us presents like this, this always fresh, never soggy pencil. Is oh, from yeah. Jeff, Knight Jeff Knight at Serial. Mm-hmm. And I use this kind of like David Letterman, like mm-hmm. to tap on my on the table when I don't know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> so if you ever hear one of our podcasts and hear just tap, 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 it means that there's a lull in the conversation. Okay, cool. Hopefully that doesn't happen here. Well, I won't okay, do it here because I'm not the host. Okay. <laughs> Okay, good. Well, a little backstory, I guess, um, and why I wanted to have you guys on the podcast. So I've known you guys, I guess the older I get, the more like I've known you most of my life, it feels like. High school for sure. That's how years work. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We went to high school together, me and JJ. Mm -hmm. Tucker went to North. Yep, yep, yep. Congratulations to to me. (laughs) We went to South. The universe really wanted me to be at Florida North. (laughs) Did it? It did. (laughs) Um, it did obviously because then you were there. Yeah. Um, and so, but I met you through improv, I guess. And Trollwood. Oh, yeah, it would have been improv, wouldn't it have? Yeah. That's right. Yep. We were in the um, you know, the big rival of our high school career was our dueling improv groups. Yeah. <laughs> you know, an interesting anecdote, uh Randy and I were in Don Quixote's at Fargo South. I now coach the North High team, the Improvinati. <gasps> They changed names. They did because the club kind of died out there for a little bit yeah. and then it came back and no one really liked saying Julia's Seizures, <laughs> which was the name of the North High Improv Tree. A little insensitive. So they're like, well, why don't we call ourselves the Improvinati now? Well, that works. It's all right. <laughs> well, what, didn't um, the new theater person want to, at South want to change Don Quixote's? Yeah. Kevin Kennedy, who's a member of the Line Benders. Previous mm-hmm. podcast guest. Previous Kevin podcast. Kennedy. Several mm-hmm. times. Several podcast. times. Said, yeah, I Don Quixote's the kids don't get that it's a playoff of Don Quixote and like it's just horrible. We're gonna get rid of the name. And so I said, Hey, just out of curiosity, everyone here who's in this room who is a Don Quixote, if they change the name of the club, would you be super pissed? Everybody raised their hand. <laughs> and I said, So you're a teacher, Kevin. This is an education moment. If they don't oh, know who Don Quixote is, educate them. Do Man of La Mancha next year yeah. for your musical and just get it done. <laughs> Well, I still have my T-shirts, my Don Quixote T-shirts. I put mine into like a T-shirt quilt. Oh, did you? I have one yeah. in a T-shirt quilt, and then I have the Jared Nillis one we did. Yeah, and, the free Nilly one? Yeah, as an actual like still in my drawer shirt. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's I owe nice. your brother a shirt. He wanted one a long time ago. And, my brother Matt? Yeah, and we couldn't get the same yellow. Mm. So I was like, I don't know if he wants a different color yellow. 
<laughs> I don't think he'll notice. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Maybe gotcha. he will. I don't know. Here's a, That's a good idea for like a holiday gift for you. Okay. Get your brother a Don Quixote shirt with the old logo. They've changed the logo now. Uh-huh. So you'd uh-huh. have to get the a hold old of the school. old logo. Well, good thing he doesn't listen to this podcast. So <laughs> My wife doesn't listen to my podcast either. I don't think my husband does either. So we can talk smack about them all that we want. Oh, good. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so anyway, why I want you guys even on my podcast is because, especially um, growing up with you and being at your house a lot, it was just it, comedy and bonding over weird, silly things was like, I don't know. A lot of times it was a coping mechanism. It was a safe space. It was how we worked through the hard, weird emotions of high school. And I've seen you and you as well, Tucker, like over the years, staying with it and using it as this positive light in the community. And so I think we all love to laugh and love comedy, but I don't think we actually stop and think about how therapeutic it actually is and how it can be a really important part of our life and and our daily even habits. And I think that's a great thing you guys bring with your podcast, these everyday conversations, talking about everyday things, a lot of people, like what they do with their lives and turning it into a fun conversation that people can listen to whatever they're doing. So that's kind of what I want, how I want this podcast to go or a conversation to go is really talking about, well, how you guys even got into caring about comedy and the arts and your own relationship, because you guys have stayed friends most of the time since. We've well, <laughs> never kidding. stopped being friends. I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> but there have, been, there have been periods where we haven't seen each other for a while. Right. Yeah, that's right. true. We've, we'd fall out of each other's orbit for whatever mm-hmm. reason. But JJ was always one of the friends that uh, you just pick up right where you left off. Mm-hmm. You just go Especially to Applebee's you need and to get move. some. Oh, yeah. Call JJ and yep. be like, come on over. I'm moving today. Be like, that is true. Go get some honey barbecue boneless buffalo wings and uh, <laughs> take care of business. Uh, okay, so uh, you threw all the questions out at the very beginning, so... Well, let me start at the very beginning. Okay. Very good place to start. start. <laughs> <laughs> um, so start with your own personal interest in comedy. How did it come into your homes, into your lives, and what made it something you wanted to maybe take on yourself? Uh, it, it wasn't something where comedy was in the home. Um, life is painful and dark and hard. Mm-hmm. And if you can't laugh along the way, you're going to be really miserable. And so anytime that life just threw you a curveball at me, being able to laugh with my friends or find something comedic was the thing that, that, that saved me that allowed me to keep going with it. So I think with me is I, I don't really identify as a comedian, although I do stuff humorously all the time. JJ, I would call you a comedian because you actually regularly get up on stage professionally and make people laugh. Um, so yeah, I, I, if 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 you have a life without laughter, I, I pity you. Mm-hmm. It's it, that would be really really sad. Um, it's the balm that seems to soothe any wound. I'm going to pay you a compliment, Tucker. That even though you don't consider yourself a comedian, you definitely understand the art of comedy and just recently Tucker directed me in a one man show at theater B theater B's best-selling show of all time. Am I correct to say that? Yep. The Santa land diaries. And it, it felt so good to work with someone who understands like comedic timing and piecing together. And when I was having trouble getting a particular bit going to have someone who can look at and say like, okay, 
I can understand where the mechanics of this are breaking down. So I can give you an outsider's eye on how to fix it. Um, we added some segments of the show that didn't exist there because there's only one stage direction. And the comedic moments, the kind of the, the Three Stooges-like moments are, I think, the were the best parts of that show. They mm-hmm. definitely got the biggest laughter from uh, the audience. And it was just finding and exploring and figuring out what makes us laugh. There is nothing quite like the feeling, though, of standing in front of a group of people and making them laugh. And I've never been, I've been in plays that were comedies. So I've been able to feel it that way. And that is pretty fantastic. I mean, I don't know of a better drug than that. So, you know, why, how do you train your dog to pee outside? You reward it. Um, you wait until they go pee outside and then you give them a treat. <laughs> comedy and laughter is, or comedy is the, is the training. Laughter is the reward, right? And you get to really become addicted to laughter. Um, I think of it the, the same way that a runner thinks of it. So those people who get addicted to running where they just love to run, it's where they clear their head. Um, it's the, it's the thing that really identifies them as who they are. I think if you're a comedian, that is the same exact idea. I love entertaining people and I have a blast doing it. For me, it comes from, a coping mechanism as a kid. Both of my parents were alcoholics. And so that plays into sort of the like neglect that I had as a kid. And then I, uh, when I was 13 grew a, a, just an amazing set of man boobs and I filled out like the Pillsbury Doughboy, And so changing during middle school gym was just awful. And I found like, well, I'd rather have people laugh with me than laugh at me. And so figuring out how that mechanism worked so that I could beat someone to the punch for it. And I got, I got addicted to it. I just found out I loved it so much. And then when I got to Fargo South high, my entire sophomore year, I would go to these improv shows and I'm like, Oh my gosh, they're creating something out of nothing. They can do whatever they want, whatever comes into their mind. Like, this is amazing. I love it. And so at the end of that year, I, uh, I auditioned to become a Don Quixote when I got into there. It has defined, so that would have been spring of 2000. So for the last 19 years, improv has been my, like, it has been my greatest outlet because I've been able to tour all over the country. I've performed for hundreds of thousands of people. And every time I walk out, I'm making something new up. And I, the laughter just, is great and getting laughter from complete strangers. Oh, oh, oh man, <laughs> that is that that is its own reward on top of reward on top of reward. And for me, the the best thing about that laughter is it's a it's a shared experience. So mm-hmm. what makes you laugh and what makes me laugh is is different, but we're both laughing in the same language. And then people try and kind of evangelize for why something's funny to them. And they explain it to you. And that usually sucks the funny out <laughs> of whatever you're explaining. But it also you, like you want someone else to identify with what you think is funny so bad. Mm-hmm. And laughter is just such an interesting thing. It's uh, Del Close said it's an involuntary response to outward stimuli. Mm. And so something, you know, something grabs you and makes a synapse fire in your brain that turns into this reaction in your body. And the only way to get rid of the reaction to expel it is to go. 
I'm going to cough now. It's <laughs> a great laugh. And that, yeah, right? <laughs> there it is. Different for everyone. Yeah. Some that's how I laugh. Than Think of Mary Poppins, right? Where they do all those different impressions of laughing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's even laugh yoga. That's yeah. a thing. Yeah. People love stuff like that. I just, I just saw an article about heavy metal yoga. Oh, geez. Where you listen to like dark heavy metal, like really loud thrash metal while doing yoga. And it's for people who really like to listen to metal because I have a few friends who are all metalheads, and for them, metal is a catharsis and an emotional, uh, they have a connection to it. And so to be able to be drowned in that sound while doing yoga apparently is is restful. (laughs) You know, know they say that like smell is linked to memory. Mm -hmm. I think laughter is also really linked to memory. Yeah. Thinking of just you, Randy, I think of like some of my favorite moments from high school is Mm -hmm. when we were just driving around (laughs) and something happened. Like the night that I yelled at the houses that they all look the same. (laughs) Uh, Or when we were chasing Jacob Harchie. And when he created his character, Benny, who kept taking all the shorts off of mannequins and a shield. (laughs) And we like knew where he was because we followed the path of naked mannequins around the store. That's a real thing that happened. Oh, yeah. And then like... Oh then my God. We pulled into my driveway and he's wearing a Santa wig. And then, I don't even remember why. <laughs> no, neither do I. And then he just bolts and like he thinks it's funny that he's going to run away. And we're like, we got to go. And so we're driving down the street <laughs> yeah. yelling Benny. And then I was like, we got to yell Jake's real name because Jake, this is serious. We got to get to the south an improv of the show. show. Yeah. And so we're driving down 17th Avenue and they're jogging along 17th is he this. Just- is this wig. wig like bouncing? Yeah, that's pretty good. And like, and because I think we laugh so hard, I think that's what sealed that memory in right. my brain. Yeah. So going back to those first moments, is there a specific comedian or a specific show that you saw where it kind of like all started to click for you, like the satisfaction of of mm-hmm. laughter and comedy? Um. So I was a I was a huge fan of like. Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. SCTV, Carol Burnett Show. To me, the Carol Burnett Show is the best use of like broken laughter when the people are laughing so hard they can't <laughs> control what's going on. I think of like Tim Conway, uh, the elephant you know, bit, the elephant bit, or when he's uh, when he's the the guy running the the dry cleaning and he keeps going back and forth on the dry cleaning rack and Harvey Corman falls to the ground. He's laughing so hard. And you think like, well, when people are laughing, you want to be a part of that, don't you? Like, (laughs) you're like, I want to know what's so funny. I want to be in on whatever this joke is. I My first time I ever got laughter from someone, I actually don't remember it. My mom has had to tell me the story a few times. I was a baby. I was a toddler. And I walked into my grandparents' living room where a bunch of my relatives were. And there was a moment of silence, just sort of like a lull in conversation. And then I farted. (laughs) And everyone laughed at it. And me as a kid realized what had yeah. happened that what I had just done had was connected to that. And so they said I started to try to do it again. <laughs> and I was trying to fart for the rest of the night. So that's pretty much informed any of my comedy ever right. since then. Yeah. It's pretty much not changed at all. It's just all fart jokes. It's 100%. All the time. I'm, I've mm-hmm. been trying to make it happen while yeah. you two were talking. <laughs> well, it hasn't happened have so a far. moment, just, just let it go. One of my favorite podcasts <laughs> right now, Your Mom's House, has a fart mic. It's, oh, a, it's, a, it's a husband and wife. Uh, they're they're both stand up comedians and yeah. they have this podcast together. And the wife, uh, Christina Pajitsky, 
was wanting for the longest time a microphone in the studio that was just for if you were going to fart, you'd fart right <laughs> into the microphone. And it finally happened. They have one now. My mom used to tell a wonderful story about how she and my dad spent their first Christmas together. Uh, they went to his parents' house on Christmas Day and her mo- or my mom's folks on Christmas Eve. They were so exhausted by the end of Christmas Day that they went back to their apartment that they shared and they were playing cards, sitting on bean bags. And my mom was like, I'm so tired. I didn't even think about it. I farted. And your dad just looked at me and like looked at me in the eyes. And he goes, all right. So we're at that point in the relationship now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Tucker brings up a good point of like, think about when you're a baby, right? What are the two emotions a baby can show you right off the bat? Happiness and sadness, right? Mm-hmm. Sadness involves want, need. Uh, isolation happiness involves you know the the moments where you're taking in as much as you possibly can and you show it through cute little baby laughs side note you like the movie labyrinth mm-hmm. so you know in the dance magic dance number where he's talking about like and baby said yes uh they originally brought in like four babies and none of them were making the right baby noise. So David Bowie was like, get those babies out of the studio. And he went in there and he recorded his own version of a baby voice. <laughs> I will be the baby. <laughs> yeah. And so when you hear that, that's that's a Bowie baby. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Fun fact. Yeah. <laughs> Little baby laughter. What about you? What about you, you know, Randy? Like laughter has been a huge part of your family, I know. That's true. For a long time. Yeah. I mean, my parents were both theater majors and my dad and we are we know steve stark he's a local icon here he's a legend Uh, he's a legend they did improv back at ndsu back in the day and i'm i'm trying to think of my first memories with laughter but i think i just remember just always seeing my parents be dorks and like embarrassed by them but they were laughing a lot and so <laughs> they, I mean, they thought they were hilarious so I mean my my parents were always breaking out into accents and different songs and things and it's like a variety show in your house <laughs> yeah, it really was and I think my dad remembers the first joke that I made up and I I don't think it's very funny but he thought it was really Let's clever it. <laughs> it's not even a joke but we were in the McDonald's drive-thru and they were there was some current event going on that had to do with Baghdad and something like not very like, pretty horrific. I kind of love the premise already. <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, and my dad's getting the, the, the food from the window and I'm like, pass the Baghdad. And I like chuckled oh. at him because I was making a pun on, on the topic. And so he still tells that story. It's like a very proud dad moment <laughs> when his child like made a pun for the first time. Because he then explained the pun just like you did right yes, after, exactly. after giving the so, pun. Which some makes current, it and even he, more I funny. I imagine Michael doing, there was some current <laughs> event going on. I It had to do with Baghdad. Uh, <laughs> Shut up. And you see, when she said Baghdad, it was just like she was saying Baghdad from the country. But, but it, it was wasn't. Actual She's asking bag. me. Her dad for a bag. Yeah, that's why it's funny. Oh, <laughs> I I thought it was a different joke. I I see it now. Very humorous. I do remember my brother Aaron, who he had a similar story of like where he did one thing and people thought it was funny and then tried to do it again and again. But it was in elementary school when he like fell off a chair and everyone laughed. And so then he kept falling off the chair and he got in trouble and went to the principal's office and like called my parents in apparently and my dad instead of punishing him for that was like I need to teach you about something called comedic timing 
And that was his like punishment was listening to a lecture from my dad on like when it's appropriate and when it's not. I really want your dad to come in here and give us a lecture on comedic timing. <laughs> you guys should have him on. It would, be, it would be really good if he'd bring his guitar and he, if he could do the lecture too, like while he's just kind of strumming the guitar. Yes. I'd be all about that. Yes. Um, well, back to the subject of improv. Because that is a huge vehicle for you, something we're all united on. What do you think it is about improv in particular that makes it a, a little bit more, I think, magical than like stand up or writing comedy shows or something like that? So uh, the Second City calls it something wonderful right away. A great stand up comedian takes years to hone a joke or, you know, or obsesses over something. So you take like, uh, you know, you take a, like a George Carlin. George Carlin spent years and years and years working on this particular three minutes of material. And it's great. And it's hilarious. And the first time you hear it, you bust a gut. And the second time you hear it, you bust a gut. But for that performer, you it loses something. It's why a lot of great performers enjoy doing new material. Mm. It's their favorite thing is they get to do something new where they don't know all the beats to it and they aren't people yelling out the punchline before you get to it. You don't have that with improv because you're making everything up on the spot right there. So while improv may not be polished and three out of 10 shows might be total dumpster fires because <laughs> uh, it happens, mm -hmm. uh, you still, you still get some amazing stuff be beyond it. And the thing I like the most is imp improv isn't just the performers on stage. It's the audience. So the energy the audience gives back to you, the indications they give back to you. So if you do a joke and they laugh, you know, like, okay, so this is that type of an audience. Like they're going to really respond to, you know, physical humor or character-based jokes or location-based jokes. Um, the second city was Justin Fargo and I went and saw their show and it was good. Don't get me wrong. It was good. But the stuff that really excelled is when they allowed it to be local. So they did a scene about a couple's first date. Mm -hmm. And their date ended at a local watering hole called Big D's. And they're at trying to find information like, tell us about Big, you know, what Big D's like. He's like, well, it's a bar, but it's closed down now. And the very last line of the show, which killed me, I was laughing so hard, was this guy walking in. On his tippy toes, and they go, Look, it's Big D. <laughs> and he goes, Well, guys, I'm shutting her down. <laughs> and just that moment, and the audience erupting in laughter at that moment because we we see where they're mining all of this material from. Right. We're all in on the joke. Yeah. That is so awesome. And I, I also, there's like a laziness factor too. I'm going to throw that out there because <laughs> to be you don't honest. have to, you rehearse improv so that you get to know like, okay, I need to trust my instincts for this, but boy, oh boy, you don't have to work on costumes. You have to memorize any lines. <laughs> Doing a one man show was the worst thing I've ever mm, done. It was so good. And I never got all the lines right. No, he did not. Not well, even like close. I remember I went closing the last show and Tucker, you sat right behind me. And I remember thinking how, surprised I was at how hard you were laughing because I'm like you directed this like you know what's coming yep. and I talked to you afterwards and you're like oh he he's yep. changed so much since I've seen yep. I, I mean I would just love to see because then I would be I'd be the only person in the audience going okay how's he gonna stick the dismount here yeah how is he gonna close the gap that he just opened up <laughs> right. big time in it but also 
I remember when uh, Baggies and his girlfriend were here and they came and saw the show and I didn't watch that night, but then I came after the show and I was asked, like hanging out afterwards and I asked his girlfriend, what, what was your favorite part of the show? And she describes a scene that I'm like, that is not in the show. Like that, I have no <laughs> idea what she's talking about. And it turned out it was a scene that JJ had developed over multiple performances to mm-hmm. fill in this gap when he was trying to string up some lights. Yeah. And then this whole new thing came out of it. So I was super surprised yeah. <laughs> that her favorite scene was one I didn't know existed. Yeah. You're like, oh yeah, that was me. It was all. <laughs> right. Right. It was, you know, that's the kind of the fun of improv, right? Is yeah. when you've got a gap, if you've got those skills, it allows you to fill it. We do so much corporate improv nowadays so like Mm. i do a lot of workshops for like hey everyone let's figure out how to communicate better using improv skills the base of improv is yes and is the the agreement factor so if you and i are in a scene and i say let's go for a picnic and you say no i don't like picnics well what's the whole point of those first two lines right you know shiva said like hey let's go to a cafeteria then no i don't i'm not hungry okay well let's just Get somewhere where we agree. Hey, let's go to Applebee's. I love Applebee's, but I can't go there because uh, I threw up all over the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So now we have somewhere to go. Oh, you, you can't mean, go to Applebee's. You mean IHOP? Well, IHOP. That happened to me at <laughs> oh, IHOP. Geez, I know. Oh, I know. my God. I, I got banned from an IHOP so during a pancake eating <laughs> so, contest. Wh- yeah. One morning, it's like a Sunday morning, and I'm just at home, and I get a phone call from JJ. He's like, Tucker. Me and Brady and Chrissy and Phil, we are going to the IHOP for all you can eat pancakes. Do you want to come with? Because they'll put your face on the wall. Yeah. If, if you which, eat the most. If you're the most. Then you can't say no to that. Right. So I'm like, yeah, let's do it. But I knew I wasn't going to participate in the contest itself. Only JJ and Phil were going to do the contest. <laughs> so we sit down. It's Sunday morning. It, the place is full. There's only one photo up on the wall, which is this older woman who works there as their starting picture. Mm-hmm. And they gave her smaller pancakes. She had eaten eight or something like that. So you had to get to nine pancakes to get on there. Yeah. And so yeah. so JJ and Phil are diving in and JJ's on like pancake number three and he's already kind of like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm putting butter and syrup on them. Right. So then I suggest to JJ. First mistake. I say, hey, JJ, what you should do is just like Kobayashi, the hot dog eating champ, he eats the hot dog separate from the bun and he takes the bun and he dips it in water and then slurps it down. So it's just easier to get down. And so JJ's like, I'll try that. So he rolls up a pancake and he dips it in water, tries to slurp it down, starts to gag immediately. It's a texture thing without a doubt. So he goes back to eating them regular (laughs) again. And it's the rest of us are done eating except these two who are still doing their pancake eating Mm -hmm. right next to each other. Mm -hmm. And at one point I see JJ put his fork down, take a seat there. And then I see him go like a fish like he just gags suddenly and then he stops and i go jj whoa are you gonna throw up you're gonna throw up he goes nope i'm fine and he yams all over this table right no phil is right next to him phil stands up from the table and continues to eat his pancakes (laughs) as it's happening brady and chrissy and i go whoa and the whole restaurant looks over at mind you the restaurant's been like into this right because ihop is like hey everyone we got some real contenders here so jj Throws up a second time, catches it in his hand, and then he runs to the bathroom. Yeah. And we're all losing our minds. And Phil's still going. Phil's still going. Yeah. Because he wanted to get on the wall. Right. Of course. And then the manager comes out and goes, I'm not going to have to clean my bathroom too, am I? 
to us like it was our fault right. that that JJ got sick. And I was like, and I I apologize. I'm like, I'm sorry. And no, she did not have to clean her bathroom. Like I cleaned up. And the thing is, like, you have a pancake eating contest. What are you really expecting to happen here? Right. Yeah. But then Phil got I mean, to nine like, pancakes. How could this be the first right. time? You're telling me that no one at, at, at any time raised their hands and says, well, what happens when someone pukes? <laughs> <laughs> Phil got on the wall, but then a few days later, he got Like beaten. a trucker had like 45 he, pancakes. Like just destroyed it. Oh. I, I wish we had that photo of Phil because that was peak Phil. Yeah. That was nice and bloated <laughs> and drunk mm-hmm. Phil. I did not return to IHOP for six, seven years. <laughs> Oh, after that, because they wouldn't let you, or just out of like dignity. Uh, I mean, it was probably a little bit of both. Like, they I didn't did, wanna... like have a turnover, employee turnover. Yeah, that's kind of okay. some sense memory too. I mean, you got to wait till you no longer reminded of the fact that you just yammed all over a right. table there. Yeah. Well, how long it, did it take you to eat pancakes again? Oh, a long time. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> pancakes fact, are pretty great. They are. I'm a waffle guy. Yeah. yeah. I'm, you know, I like waffles if mm-hmm. I'm going to eat something. How much yeah. was the the dipping in in water the factor that made you throw 100%. up? 100%. <laughs> 100% the factor that made me throw up because the texture was so awful. It was like just putting pancake batter into your mouth after that. Nobody likes that. It was disgusting. And there's no sweet taste to it. Mm. Ugh. Uh, See, other people's distress makes me laugh. Yeah, <laughs> situations oh, you're, you, you're situ- like Schadenfreude. Situations that yes. are situations that are just messed up mm-hmm. make me laugh too. I mean, I laugh at a lot of things that you probably shouldn't laugh at, but yeah. they're just awesome. Yeah, they I mean, why, why not? Right, right. Uh, here's some favorite Randy moments. Oh gosh, from my this life. is not this part is of not the part of the moment, but these are good. <laughs> okay, um, I'm open to this. What? A, so a, a joke that I had from our, our recent time in our friendship that just showed up on my Facebook timeline. Oh no, which I do feel bad about now, but I think it's really funny. Oh gosh, we were eating together at the Drunken Noodle. Oh, I yeah, <laughs> and they give you a you order and they give you a number, and so we had the number nine, and so Randy's sitting. In the booth, and she's got the number nine. And I took a picture, and I go, "Meh, maybe more like a seven. <laughs> and hilarious. I will, I will tell you this: the world turned on me really quick on Facebook. <laughs> they did not find that amusing. They th- thought that was rather rude. And wasn't that a period of time where I had like just gone through a divorce? It's really yep. vulnerable. Yep. Yeah, uh-huh. great. Yep, that's, those would be the moments. That's you know your true friends are. Is so, they're the ones that kick you when you're down. It's well, true. So, publicly. Uh, so I think laughter is healing. Yes. Right. It's a huge way that people heal. It's you talked about coping. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember the first Onion episode or like issue of the Onion that came out after nine eleven. Oh yeah. And in fact, Rob Reese, who was our improv teacher out of Trollwood, yeah, uh, had me bring it in. He was teaching like a sketch comedy class. Which is a satire class. Mm-hmm. And we examined it and we kind of went through it because he said, listen, laughing tells people that you are not going to let this moment, this event, this action define who you are for the rest of your life. And so he says, is this her- a horrific thing that our nation went through? Absolutely. And it's time for us to remember that tomorrow is another day and that we are strong. And we do that through laughter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I can think of so, you know, a lot of times people will say the too, too soon, right? right? Too soon when you make a joke about. Maybe for you, but not for me. Not for Tucker. It's <laughs> no. never too soon never for Tucker. Well, I, I mean that it, more in general though too, because yeah. there is definitely a lot of, no, you can't laugh at that. No, you can't find, you can't enjoy that. Or 
the laughter that I'm hearing from you right now, I'm going to interpret as a negative and be mad at you for, for laughing at it, you know? Um, and the too soon is what always happens. But, you know, ultimately you just gotta, if, if you don't think it's funny, that's fine. You don't have to think it's funny, mm -hmm. but I don't have to stop laughing just for your own benefit at the same time. And you better laugh because it's all darkness anyways. Yeah. In the end of it. Right. I have a, so no one, no one on their deathbed goes, man, I wish I laughed at fewer things right. during my lifetime. Right. Yeah. Um, my dad passed away when I was 19. My mom passed away when I was in my early thirties. And I remember after my mom passed away, I received a package in the mail from a friend of mine in Chicago and we hadn't spoken in a couple of years. You know, we kept up on social media, but like hadn't really talked. And they said, Hey man, really sorry to hear about your mom passing. I thought that you could use this as you start the next chapter of your life. And he had got me, it was a DVD of the movie Annie because I am an orphan now. <laughs> and he just wanted me to be fully trained on how to find myself a daddy Warbucks. Oh my gosh. And I didn't get it at first. And I was really looking at it. And someone goes, well, it couldn't be that he's meaning this, is it? <laughs> and, and like, to me, like that's, oh, that's perfect because he, uh, he allowed me to say like, yeah, you know what? Like, Let's remember and let's re rejoice in the time mm -hmm. I had with my mom. But like, let's also let's not beat around the bush 100% about yeah. like life goes on and you just adapt to it. Well, and your mom loved my mom would have loved that joke. <laughs> she would she would have really loved that joke. Well, and I think that you've been a source of that for me and a lot of our friends growing up. I mean, our group of friends has been through a lot. We've lost mm -hmm. a few of them. And um, and I even just when I moved back to Fargo again, like divorced and confused about what was next for me. And you helped convince me to move home because you're like, you can be in line vendors. You can do all these, all these exciting things. And, um, and it just actually moving home and quickly getting involved in line vendors and like having dorky fun times again. And then like having these really weird shows in these small towns and like all this stuff was like eating that homemade dog food I made. <laughs> You love bringing that up. I do. You brought that up on your podcast. I did. <laughs> yep. I just want that story to be everywhere. I did eat the dog food that yep. JJ was making. Actually, have you good. watched Grace and Frankie? I have. That yeah. episode. Yep. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> Where they do that. Anyway, it was really good dog food. Thank you. Want to know one of my favorite Randy stories? Yeah. Which <laughs> oh, is also no. going to embarrass Randy big time. Why? <laughs> but you know, like, okay, so before you get into that, I want to say this too. Like, uh, Randy, when I think of you, I don't think of really anything but joy, oh, which yeah. is nice because you've got a great laugh, you. you've got an infectious laugh, and I think like, I guess if this was scrawled in the bathroom, it'd mean something else. But you're always down for a good time, right? <laughs> I am. That's true. Right? <laughs> no, I just remember JJ was out of town, and Phil and I threw a party at your no, apartment. This uh, one, I, 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 it was Halloween specifically. It was Halloween. Wait. This was different than your Halloween party? Yeah, different than my Halloween party. Because that was party. also very embarrassing for me. Where you got your purse stolen? I got my purse stolen and other things that we'll <laughs> talk about later. What, what, if we, what if we said that this has been a big prank and we produced your purse right here, right now? <laughs> no. no, I just remember that uh, Randy what was getting do? the attentions of a young Eric Zeiss. And, oh, no, that was horrible. And they were making out in your bedroom. <laughs> and so Phil and I had to bust the door down. <laughs> Just because we wanted, we were trying to protect Randy. That right? is true. That was and the whole, really whole purpose of uh, whole know. purpose of that. But that was that was like 2004. <laughs> that was a really long time ago. Uh, that was a long time ago. So before we don't talk to him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, you, you didn't realize that coming to have us record this podcast with you was about us basically just tearing just you down, right? Just telling the public all of my embarrassing stories. So here's some inside baseball for comedy. One of the things you can do is call a spit take. Mm-hmm. And so you've probably seen like great comedians do it. They take a sip of water and someone says something shocking and they, mm-hmm. they spit the water out. Randy and I were in the musical The Music Man together, and at the, the very beginning of the show, in a uh, number called Iowa Stubborn, it's, uh, you know, like, spit it all thermometer, and two people, like, end up, like, right next to each other. And, and like, you start looking away, and then you slowly start looking at each other. And then you freeze. And then you freeze. And then Randy looked at me, and she, like, let her eyebrows go up a little bit, and I went, <laughs> and I spit all oh, over her face. <laughs> and then like, and she, all she does is like kind of blink her eyes and then go, you owe me a smoothie. <laughs> you played my dad in that play. I did. I did. <laughs> You're spitting on my daughter. Actually, one of, from your, so Tucker used to throw these epic Halloween parties. Yep. Like epic Halloween parties. Yep. And it, and I had just moved back. I That's was right. learning how to be like a regular person in the world. Um, and at like 27. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm at a party. And Phil Cadell was there with peppermint, no, root beer schnapps. And I don't drink really at all. And I didn't know I don't know about these kinds of things. And so I'm like, this tastes really good. <laughs> and so I ended up getting a little for schnickered. <laughs> And met this guy who was dressed as my favorite doctor from Doctor Who. Right. Which, which doctor? Uh, David Tennant, of okay. course. Lovely. I was dressed as Abraham Lincoln. That's right. I yep. was trying to figure out who who you were dressed as. I had on a I had the beard and the hat and then like a short skirt and a blazer and whatever. I thought it was <laughs> clever. <laughs> Apparently he liked it. So uh we hit it off and I was like, he's super cool. Like he's just like David Tennant. And then I met him in person. <laughs> <laughs> as a totally sober regular human being is <laughs> not I'll just say he's not David Tennant no, he's not. <laughs> not even close oh yes but I have your party to thank for those oh, life I'm so excited lessons. to hear if this is in or not yeah. isn't that ama- the amazing thing about Halloween is you're somebody else for one night only and then yeah. the other 364 baby you are mm-hmm. yourself yeah if, I mean Rezel and I really should have been throwing those parties purely for the blackmailable material oh there's a ton because there's so much because we what we would do is we would throw these big parties and then uh, we would set up a room that we would like call the confessional. confessional booth. Yeah. And it would have a like a little wooden box with a hole in it that would have a camera inside. And we put a sign up that said, there's a camera in here recording. Uh, give a message to Tucker and Rezzle, whatever you <laughs> yeah. want. And people would go in there and they would make out. They would smoke pot. They would get Confess. naked. They would do all this other stuff. And they yeah. get really drunk and like tell us things. Yeah. And I still have all of that footage. You do. I could go through and see if no. you're on there, Andy. No, if you want I me am. To. I remember. <laughs> and I don't remember what I said. That's the only time I don't really remember things at a party. <sighs> Four but, score and two shots ago. <laughs> yeah. But I remember you were so kind to me when I lost somebody had stole my purse. And mm-hmm. I felt like I had never been that like drunk girl before. Uh, ever. And and no one would have ever predicted me to be that. And I remember you being like, Randy, everybody is that person every once in a while. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, oh, I remember when I got you. my pog stolen that I left on the, <laughs> the playground at Horse Man. Oh, man. I bet you felt exactly the same way. Just like that. And then you let me use your phone for a while. Yeah. Until I got a new phone. Because so, didn't we? We tried to track your iPhone. Yeah, didn't we? we did. And then they turned it off. They learned that oh, they, they found it. But anyway. 
stories aside, gentlemen, um, both of you have been like, you provide these spaces for for drama, for theatrics. Your house growing up was, mm. there's just a million stories from your house. Yeah. And it, I and I just look back on it being, and I remember when your mom passed away, I it really hit me because I was thinking about just being able to go there and talk to your mom was like mm -hmm. therapeutic. And she was like everybody's mom, basically. And we didn't lock the front door. Like no. whoever needed like <laughs> to come in and just hang out. Yeah. And it was this place for like, just a merry band of misfits, people that didn't feel like they belonged anywhere, could come to your home and totally be themselves and sometimes get in trouble and sometimes get pissed at each other. But it but it always cl clears itself up. We're I think we're lucky because we live in a time right now where no matter what your interest is, you can find your tribe. Mm -hmm. You'll find your people, right? Um, if you're if what you really love is competitive jigsaw puzzling there are avenues for you to meet other like-minded people who like competitive jigsaw puzzling right um you know that didn't really exist in the early 2000s and so i think that's why like people are looking for a place to congregate and mm -hmm. that just happened to be my house and my basement mm -hmm. my hot tub my trampoline <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and we had some really amazing times and for the you know for the majority of it it was really innocent mm -hmm. too you know uh you and i didn't drink in high school mm -hmm. like but we were part of Neither the, the scene of the people really well, was i was that, also clean in high school there was that one time you made everyone believe that i had drink. yeah <laughs> that was fun <laughs> Do you guys remember zanga that yeah, yeah. oh yeah <laughs> yeah there was one time you guys i don't know somebody had like a um What's it called? It was a beer bong. A beer bong, which yep. I didn't. I just wanted to try it just to like know what the deal was about. Because I was like, curious. Because you're always person. like, oh, we'll just open your throat and just drink it all at once. And, and so like... they put root beer in there and I did it. And then you got a picture of <laughs> it did. and posted on Zanga. And my favorite part of that story is that everyone the next day at school was disappointed in me. <laughs> and the reason why I like that is because so many people that don't drink in high school get so much crap about it. And like, why don't you drink? There's all this peer pressure. But when I didn't, when people that I drank, they were like, why did you do that, Randy? You don't drink. You're not supposed to drink. So it was still like a supportive community of mm -hmm. like whatever your preferences were. When JJ had that apartment that you made out with Eric Zeissen. Stop, don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, his computer was always out in the main room and it was always logged into everything. Mm -hmm. Everything, yeah. every account of JJ's was like a tab open and, and logged in. Mm -hmm. So me and Phil and Jared and Dustin and Cody and whoever else would be there would walk in that day. We would just get on a Zanga blog and just start writing the worst <laughs> things in the world. I would always go to like Wikipedia and find like a, an anatomical drawing, like a scientific drawing of, of male genitalia. And then I'd put it on his page, and then I'd write something about, mm -hmm. like, I don't know, whatever. Doing some research. Doing some, doing some research. <laughs> and to and the point that JD was like, I just have to take this down now. Because yeah. we had flooded it so, so much crap. What were your Zanga usernames? Mine was Benfolds5 always. Yes. Mine was <laughs> along those lines. DMB lover. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Dave Matthews band lover. That's Double right. J347. <laughs> What's the 347? Because 3 plus 4 equals 7. Oh, really? And double that's... J had been taken. 
Uh, my buddy James Woods was Creed Hound 5. You. Because me and him and a few other friends of ours made a fake boy band. Oh. And then to name the boy band, we combined all of our favorite bands' uh-huh. names. And Brady's favorite band was Creed. No. And Why? James's favorite band was uh, Bloodhound, Bloodhound Gang. Gang, and mine was mm-hmm. Ben Folds Five. So we were the Creed Hound Five. I think that I think Ben Folds was one of like our early bonding moments. I think so too. We loved Ben. Folds. You know who introduced me to Ben Folds? Who? Tim Larson. Tim. He was the guy that got me into him because he He's and I. So cool. Oh yeah, my my first summer at at uh, Trollwood, mm-hmm. and I was taking a, a writing class that he was in. Mm-hmm. And one day we were just waiting for the teacher, and there was a piano in the room, and he started playing. Um, evaporated from mm. whatever never amen and i thought what is that that's amazing and he said it's ben folds five you got to check him out and that's how i got into it you know speaking of someone who can make you laugh tim is a, a truly gifted comedian yeah, he's he a really sniper is. i mean he really is a killer when it comes he's to that a, he was not in our time but he was one of the original don quixotes mm-hmm. one of the founding members and we grew up i mean i grew up just thinking him and tanner and those guys were just so great and tanner oh my god tanner. yeah sean Sean oh Dillon. God. And when Tim moved back to Fargo shortly after I did, I remember him wanting to be my friend, like with like friends with his wife. And I was like, oh, my gosh, Tim, Squeak. he's so cool. <laughs> and I actually ended up sitting by them recently at um, the Martin Sexton concert. And I revealed to Tim that even like even seeing Tim come in a room like at Martin Sexton, I'm still like, oh, it's Tim. Like, <laughs> he's so cool, you know, and he's he's brilliant. But um, one thing about Trollwood that I want to bring up, Trollwood is a performing arts school here that happens in the summertime. And we all grew up and Tim was in my improv, our improv class. I wasn't but with you. You weren't there that year? Uh-uh. Oh, well, anyway, it was a good it was a I'm good sure one. It was a great class. I'm it sure was, it was brilliant. Full of a lot of winners. Yep. With Rob <laughs> and Phil. And actually that was the time when Phil kept throwing somebody's Chris's back, backpack. Yeah, up into a tree every day. And so then as punishment, Rob Reese, who we mentioned earlier, would m- make him and Tim run wear, ar- all the backpacks. wear all the backpacks and run around Trollwood. Like, and Tim almost passed out. It was pretty great. But Trollwood, I mean, performing arts school, we all have that shaped like who we are. So I feel much. like. And it provided this place for all of us weird kids to go and like creatively express ourselves and feel safe doing that and um and so I guess as we uh wrap up here talking about the importance of the arts and providing opportunities you guys still do that in the community but um not shying our kids and our loved ones away from these outlets for for weirdness, I guess, it's, basically. So it's never too late to get involved with something that you love, it's which true. I think is uh, awesome. So if you've got a five-year-old kid who saw Mary Poppins at FMCT and really would like to do that, call the FMCT. They've got, they'll have got give you all the information you need. They can get your kid involved. Uh, if you've got someone, I think, eighth grade and older who has been doing stuff like that for a while, Trollwood is a breeding ground mm-hmm. for talent. They get to work with some top-notch names. It's also a breeding ground. It is. No. It is. A lot of, a lot of kids. Out of <laughs> I'm adding a few in here that Randy's just going to have to cut yeah. out. We don't want to hear those stories. <laughs> Uh, there, there's also a lot of, oh, I'm keeping it in. Yeah. I'm keeping it in. There's a lot of great opportunity out there for people to get involved in things that they love. And the, the arts are a great way, you know, uh, the work that your mom did with the mm-hmm. arts partnership, yeah. and like, which is still being seen today. Mm-hmm. However, uh, over a decade yeah. since, 
uh, is really amazing. And we're really lucky. I think the thing that people kind of hold on to is like, well, I don't want to audition and not get in. And right. like, I'm worried about the rejection. Any great theater organization, even if they don't put you in the cast in the exact role you want, will find a place for you. Mm-hmm. You audition, you don't get in. Usher for their shows, and then you're just you're you're part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell them you want to get your interest in this. Maybe they need someone to help with lighting or to build a set. And I think the thing that holds people most people back is just the like, what well, I what if? Mm-hmm. Don't live your life in what ifs. Right. That's the worst place to be. That and O'Hare International Airport are the two <laughs> worst places. What ifs? And Gary, Indiana. And Gary, Gary, Indiana. <laughs> Bring it back to the Music Man. Yeah. Way to go. Yeah. Circling back. Callback is now what they say. That's what they say. (laughs) Look at you and your world of comedy. Well, you know, um, thanks, Trollwood. (laughs) Yeah, thank you, Trollwood. (laughs) Um, But even if it's not theater, I mean, even this podcast, like for me, I, my podcast, this podcast is a creative outlet for me and I love producing it. I love the conversation and it kind of fulfills a lot of what I loved about theater and performing and producing something from beginning to end and having people respond to it and become like a community around it. And so there's a lot of ways in it, bringing it back to like self-care. How does this relate to that? Um, daily ways of having some sort of creative practice. And in particular with you guys, like laughing, like <laughs> bringing joy into your life every single day like what have you found this is a really broad question but I guess even just nowadays the fact that you guys have your podcast you you did your productions together you're continually being creative together how do you think that adds to your quality of life and how you're able to handle the hard times in life oh I would not be the person I am today without the creative outlets that I've created both for myself because that's the thing Sometimes you have to create your own opportunity mm-hmm. and then also jumping onto the bandwagon of what other people are doing too. Um, I, there's an old saying, a day without laughter is a wasted day. Mm-hmm. And I real I truly believe that laughter is cathartic. Laughter burns calories. Laughter, uh, it puts wrinkles on your face that people associate in later years as like laughter lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say, oh, that person must have been happy for most of their life. Or that person must have found joy mm-hmm. in different ways. And so I like I like the Muppets a lot. <laughs> and so I rely on them on a pretty regular basis <laughs> to bring some laughter into my life. Uh, I also, uh, I, I laugh at things. Uh, how do I want to put this without sounding like a total jerk? But so much of what happens today is going to be your humor tomorrow. Mm. How many situations have you been in where you say, we're going to laugh about this mm-hmm. one day? Yeah. Um, and it's true because some of the worst times, some of the times that I thought, I, you know, Jesus take the wheel. You know, <laughs> yeah. some of those moments are the ones I look back now and I have the fondest memory for and I mm-hmm. laugh the hardest. Um, you know, we've had a lot of tragedy in our friend group, mm-hmm. but that tragedy has also reminded me like, don't, don't take today for granted Mm -hmm. and reach out to those people who make you smile and give you that extra boost of energy and let them, let them know that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a, it's a good thing. It's a positive thing to put that, that out into the world and tell other people like, Hey, you're great. 
we want people to tell us we're great, mm-hmm. but it, it can be just as fulfilling to tell other people that they are great. Mm-hmm. Also, the Muppets also bum me out more than anything else, like the song saying goodbye from the Muppets Take Manhattan. <laughs> oh, Lord. I've played that at two funerals. No. <laughs> <laughs> what about, about you, Tucker? Um, you know, the unhappiest I've been in my life, I, you sort of realize after the fact, corresponded with times where I wasn't making anything. Mm. And while I don't really start projects ever to with the intention of working through something in my life, um, I always end up working through something while I'm making something anyways. Um, the best part of my week is doing this podcast exactly. for certain um, because remember we're on Randy's podcast right now. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, the best part of my week is making Randy's podcast. Yeah. And the second best part of my week is making our podcast. Um, it feels good to make something and put it out there in the world. It feels good to follow through on a challenge that you set in front of yourself. Mm-hmm. So um, like, all creative young people, I've started a million things that didn't get finished. And each one of those projects weighs on me like, oh, I really failed there. I need to do better. And we have so many friends that have ideas for stuff that are really creative people. But then they go home and they watch Netflix. Right. Right. They just don't do it. And at some point you have to realize that that while I love Netflix and I've got nothing wrong with consuming, um, that is a slow death. That is a slow suffocation. And it's it's you will regret not having taken the time to make something of your own, no matter what it was. Um, doing creative work where I failed in front of crowds of people, like like big time, <laughs> big time failures, have been the best educational experiences of my life. I don't have any school debt because I decided to put all that time and energy into being really bad at stuff publicly <laughs> and getting through it and learning from it and yeah. continuing on after that. And you know, we were just talking about how we're at, at the time of this recording, we're close to a hundred episodes and we're sitting in our new studio that we're in because of the fruits of our labor. Mm-hmm. Right. And that feels so good. Mm-hmm. So good. We both have jobs, JJ and I, where we make other people's stuff where we don't really have that much say over the end product, which is fine. That's that arrangement. But if you're someone who is creative, you really need to find a way to to be able to do it unencumbered without relying on the permissions of others to do it. Um, I feel like I had another thought there, but I think it's escaping me right now. Well, what would you say if you're sitting there being like, man, I've had a long day. I really want to watch Netflix. What would you say motivates you to do something else to create again? Um, Anytime I'm in that moment, I'm actually just pushing through it. It's, mm-hmm. it's not that I'm inspired to actually go work now. It, I think it was one of the pitfalls that we all fall into. I need to find the inspiration to get going. Well, sometimes there is no inspiration. Sometimes it just sucks and you got to do it anyways. One of the reasons why this podcast works is because we show it for work at each time. Mm-hmm. Okay, we haven't missed a podcast release since we started a year ago. And there are days where we do not feel like recording anything, mm-hmm. but we do it anyway. And we're always happy that we did at the end of it. Um, so, and it feels good to be putting something out there in the world. It, it, one of the best feelings to me is when someone who I know reaches out to me without me asking them and says, Hey, I listened to this episode of your podcast. I really enjoyed it. That, that feeling of having, uh, putting something else out in the world that other people are consuming, you know, don't Mm -hmm. just be a consumer, be someone who, who makes, uh, stuff to be consumed. That is incredibly rewarding. Also real talk. 
not everyone's good at everything. Sometimes you suck at stuff. Yeah. And sometimes I think that's what deters people is, well, I tried this thing and I wasn't good at it, so I'm not going to try anything else again. And just accept the fact, like, you can't do everything. Like, I will never be a singer. Mm-hmm. I have tried. I took lessons. I've tried to do other things with it. I'm never going to be. I am as tone deaf as they come. That's just the way it is. I can appreciate it. I love it. I'm never going to be someone who sings on stage. But that being said, I didn't let that say, well, I'm just never going to do anything performance-wise again. Yeah. I went and tried to find something else that scratched that same itch. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where improv comes from. Well, 2018 <laughs> was a really productive year for the two of us. Yeah, well, I mean, we crushed 2018. Yeah, we did. I mean, we both did this podcast, and then we did Santa Land Diaries. Um, you know, and just life changes. You know, you got married. I got a new job. Mm-hmm. Like we did a lot of stuff in 2018. I took a huge career leap. Yeah. So did you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So 2018 is really good. 2019, ugh, you know, it's been it's been a struggle so it's far. It's February though. So. <laughs> yeah. How much of that is weather related? So much. Oh, yeah. Almost all of it. In fact, I went into a rage yet two days ago because I got my car stuck in my yeah. driveway on the way out. And I just was like, I cannot, I'm so sick and tired of getting yeah. my car stuck in things. And I, I just it's couldn't couldn't take it anymore. A struggle. Well, yeah. along those lines, I guess one of my closing questions would be for those people that are listening that also use comedy as um, a coping mechanism and escape. Do you have any advice on balancing that with actually feeling the feels as well? I mean, I think the Muppets do a great job of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you guys have both been through challenging things, and and how do you how do you use comedy therapeutically without using it as an escape? So that is an excellent question, and that's kind of I mean, it'll be a personal journey for everybody. Mm-hmm. For me, it was a matter of take like taking some stock and say like okay you know i'm really hurting right now but i'm trying to use humor to convince everyone that i'm not hurting and so it became i need to really surround myself with people who i trust and i can be honest with and so they the people who can say like dude i can see that you're making a joke about that but really you know like how are you mm-hmm. and a lot of comedians think that they have to be on all the time and that's tough because if you're having a bad day and if you're short with someone, they're like, geez, why is he such in a bad, you know, why is he such in a bad mood? When if someone else said it to you, you just wouldn't think twice about it. But because this person who's always you'd be like, if you saw Santa Claus spit on the ground, you'd be like, geez, what's wrong with Santa Claus? <laughs> like, he doesn't do stuff like that. He should be handing out presents, not right. spit. Yeah, that's a really great example. JJ. <laughs> <laughs> A spitting Santa, you wouldn't be concerned? I would just assume, oh, he had a little too much saliva in his mouth. He's a, a human being, a magical yeah. human being. Well, human you're being. an understanding person, but not everyone is that way. Yeah, yeah. I don't care. Yeah, not everybody. <laughs> Whatever. So They it, can get over it. Taking that personal stock. It's okay that they're upset. Sorry. And, yeah, and figuring out when, it, like, when you turn it off and realize that people don't like you because you're just, you're funny all the time. Mm-hmm. Like that was my problem in middle school is I'm like, Oh my God, I gotta be funny all the time because that's why people want to be associated and around me. Well, sometimes you just got to sit there in silence on a drive through Indiana, like Tucker and I had it without me having to go like, Indiana is where we are. Um, and I appreciate that. And I appreciate the fact that like, 
Tucker on on days when I don't feel like performing. Tucker doesn't ask, "Hey, what's what's wrong with you? You know, you're just, why aren't you uh, like dancing?" And <laughs> you like that impression? That's pretty good. That really good. Impression. I was like, "Whoa, did you get a recording of I me?" Know. That <laughs> sounded fantastic. It's it's great, and I think that's the problem is that you know comedy loves tragedy, and those people who are who've had those moments in their life that has caused great strife and conflict are the ones who like get this weird funny bone mm-hmm. and you have to remember that so it's not just you telling yourself oh I, you know i got to check in with other people and i can't make everything a joke but remember to do that with other with other people so treat others as you wish to be treated so if you have a friend who's the one who's constantly making jokes and like, yeah, can can you believe it? It's cancer again. Uh, be like, Howie, are you okay? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I just want to let you know, Howie, you're a good person. I like having you around. And I, I, you know, if you need to talk, if you need to say anything, you can let me know. And then double back to that over and over and over again, because eventually it doesn't become a broken record. It becomes the truth in the way you treat someone. Right. And so that's, that was always really nice to me is when, People like you, Randy, would come back and be like, hey, how how are you? And I'd be like, well, I'm tip-tap-tastic. I'd be like, how are you? Yeah. I'm swinging from the fences. How are you? I you're real, you. I'm, you're a real Robin Williams. I'm, I'm, ha- I'm having a tough day. Right. And then be like, okay, so you can't break down that shell and get to that mm-hmm. barrier. So finding, surrounding yourself with a community that actually gets you. Yeah. Instead of just surrounding yourself with people that'll laugh at you. Right. are always wanting you to like entertain mm-hmm. well what about you Tucker um people I think need to give themselves permission to laugh uh, one thing we find up here in the upper midwest uh, with audiences theater audiences is they're often much more reserved much more conservative um especially if it's like a matinee on a Sunday and oftentimes if you're just performing for the first time in the in this area you'll you'll find that it seems like they're not enjoying the show, but they are. They just don't really, they're not good at giving themselves permission to laugh. They kind of like want to look around and make sure that it's okay. Or, you know, they're, they're very reserved people. Uh, with the exception of the moments when I'm just placating JJ. Yep. Um, I laugh when I can't help but laugh. Mm-hmm. And I, I have full permission from me to laugh at any point in time that I want at whatever I want. Um, it part of it is keeping the darkness at bay, um, and part of it is me telling the world that I do not feel the least bit put upon by your opinions of how you think I should be mm-hmm. living my life. Um, I think sarcasm, when used correctly, is an incredibly potent tool, and that that sarcasm and laughter, I think, just go side by side. Um, and I think by telling jokes about something, you can actually something that's dark, something that's scary. Um, is really a way of of taking away its power mm-hmm. of 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 actually getting through it, not having to treat it with uh, like it's a Faberge egg. You mm-hmm. know, you can just say, you know, I uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna laugh at the devil when he comes to my door because he wants me to do something else, and that's just the way you got to do it, I think. But give yourself permission to laugh, and then laugh. Yeah, you know, and find find things that make you laugh. So you don't use it as a distractor. You use it as a way of actually confronting the thing. No, I mean, usually when I'm laughing, it's it's almost always genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
it's hard. I guess it's hard to explain. You know, it's uh, how do you explain being hungry for vanilla ice cream? Mm-hmm. You don't really decide to want vanilla ice cream. You discover mm-hmm. you want vanilla ice cream. Um, and so I treat it like that. I don't see laughter as this thing I need to do now. Mm-hmm. I discover laughter coming out of me when it mm-hmm. does. And so if you can get yourself to a point where you're open to that, mm-hmm. I think life gets easier. Do you guys have any daily practices that you do to make sure you're enjoying life or keeping yourself in check in that way? No. In fact, I could probably use some. Yeah. And I mean that. I'm not being smart. I'm, yeah. I'm saying like I definitely know I need to because – I am someone who's lived a life that's been way out of balance forever, mm-hmm. forever. Um, you know, I've now got my first uh, regular eight to five job that I've had in about 10 years. And before mm-hmm. that, it was always freelance or something else that so I'm not used to regular adult life and right. keeping things in balance and, you know, getting on top of stuff. I get overwhelmed really easily. I had a rough week. Mm-hmm. because we had a play at Theater B I was directing and we had other stuff at work and my own freelance stuff and podcast stuff and everything else was coming up at the same time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did I did almost no laughing during the week. Mm-hmm. But this today has been good. That's today good. has been able to help me reverse course in that. For sure. Uh, my wife goes to work before I do in the uh-huh. morning. And so I've usually got about 45 minutes I get to spend when it's just me and the dogs mm-hmm. in my house. And it's my... Favorite way to start the day because I don't have to go to the beat of anyone else's drum. Mm-hmm. I just kind of get to slow down. And if I if I am feeling sad or overwhelmed, I get a chance to sort of own that for mm-hmm. a little bit. Because feeling overwhelmed is your body, is your mind trying to tell you like, listen, hey, 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 we got a lot happening right now. Yeah. And so to me, it's, it's perfect because I can kind of take stock of what I'm going to do. I can think about what the rest of the day is going on. So that by the time I leave the house, when someone asks, hey, how's it going? I can say, like, you know, living the dream mm-hmm. because I take stock in the fact of, like, I am really, really lucky that my life has arrived in this place right now. And like Tucker said, not every day is not every day is great. Mm-hmm. There are the days where, like, it's tough to roll out of bed. Mm-hmm. But I like to greet the day on my own with my dogs who... I got a little poodle who <laughs> wiggles his butt so much that he turns him around like mm-hmm. butt first. <laughs> we call him a wiggle butt. Um, and all he likes is all I have to do is like just start kind of like moving like and dancing a little bit. And he's like, oh, my God, we're dancing now. We're <laughs> yeah. dancing. Yeah. And so seeing that like I can bring him so much joy with mm-hmm. something that is so simple and so natural to me, yeah. I'm reminded like, there you go. Yeah, animals, Today's going to be a good day. Animals definitely like keep the peace. And, you do. And they make you laugh and they laughter and pets yeah. are the two things you need for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and my pets make me laugh a lot, yeah. actually. Um they are they are very, very funny. <laughs> Even when they do things that don't make me laugh, and then I can laugh about it afterwards. The other not long ago, so my dog Juno, mm-hmm. uh, for a for a toy every once in a while, we'll give her just a like a plastic Gatorade bottle and put some treats in it. Mm-hmm. So she'll chew on it and chew through the Gatorade bottle and get to the treats. And so one time I had given her a bottle and for whatever reason, she didn't really want that one. She wanted a different one and she had taken it outside with her and she left it out there. And I said, Juno, go get your bottle. Mm-hmm. And she came back inside and kind of threw it down. And then she does this thing, which means give me a new one. Give mm-hmm. me a treat. And I said, Juno, you have a bottle. And she goes, <laughs> and I said, Juno, you have a bottle. It's right there. And I point at the one next to her. Yeah. And in one fell swoop, she turns, looks at it picks it up in her mouth, chucks it at me, and hits me square in the nuggets. And I collapse to the ground in pain. 
She was like, no, I don't want this one. (laughs) She's got good aim. She's got very good aim. And she's very smart. And she she knows how to communicate with me. That's so funny. So after the fact, it was funny. In the moment, it wasn't. But yeah, yeah, my pets are great. My dog recently, Juniper. She, um, I do call Juno Juniper Breeze. Do you? As a as a nickname. Oh, that's Was cute. That a, f- a flavor of Yankee Candle? Must be. <laughs> it must <laughs> be. Um, we were watching a movie called Alpha on Netflix. Oh yeah, it's yeah. like about like the first prehistoric do- yeah. dog. And June, it's a children's movie. Yeah, she was super into it. Like usually, if there's animals on, she watches. But then once it's back to people, she's fine. But the whole movie, she was so into it. And there's this one scene where the dog saves the kid from a frozen lake, and and the dog is licking him a lot. And June was sitting right on Nate's lap because that's the boundaries we have <clears throat> with our dog. And the dog was licking, and then June started licking. Oh! And then once the dog was stopped licking, she stopped licking. <laughs> she was like, "This is a dog," and with her. With her guy and like I got to do what they're doing. It was brilliant. It was really smart. See, they're the best. Yeah. The Anyways, animals. okay. One thing that I do for my daily laughter is listen to funny podcasts. Ooh. You guys are included. I like. There's a lot of podcasts I listen to for inspiration and educational purposes, but sometimes it's just too much. And I think you're. I need lower lowest common denominator, <laughs> lower standards. Mm-hmm. JJ meets world. I need something I don't have to think about. Yep. That yeah. is so stupid. Uh, I understand where your compliment's coming from. Thank you very much. No. I'll take that. No, but it's it's connecting with human beings. And I know a lot of the people on your podcast. Um, but I think finding other things we can fill our brains with other than the news or some skill we're trying to obtain. But just like hanging out, laughing, talking about issues. I think... Um, my brother, my brother and me is also one of my go-to. Yeah, that's a good one. They're just total. And it's funny because I used to listen to that one because it reminded me of hanging out with you guys mm. and like my my nerd guy friends. <laughs> so I'm glad you guys have something now because I feel that now hanging out with you guys. Um, but so JJ Meets World you can find on iTunes. On iTunes, Spotify, wherever you yeah, consume the podcast you love. Google Play, YouTube iHeartRadio, Facebook, Twitter, and JJMeetsWorld.com. I actually Googled JJ Meets World and found a YouTube channel. Have yeah. you found this? Mm-hmm. Of some random couple oh, yeah. driving around. Yeah, there's, oh, there's a yeah. few JJ Meets Worlds out there. But they don't have they don't have nearly as many episodes as we do. No, and <laughs> we would not love for them to be a guest on our show sometime <laughs> where we broker the deal of so who's gonna go the, forward. So originally the, the first title I had for the show was the JJ show. Uh-huh. It was just kind of call it the JJ show. And then when I went go to YouTube and type in the JJ show, yeah. and it's mostly children who have discovered YouTube and cameras and that mm-hmm. they're going to create their show. And usually uh-huh. both kids have the, a name that begins with J. And oh. there's like, it's like its own subgenre. Oh, God. And so I thought there are way too many JJ shows out there. Yeah. We can't, you didn't want to be a that. drop in the bucket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Some of those kids are producing some really stellar stuff, too. <laughs> yeah. So it's worth checking yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the JJ Meets World is the art of conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, we interview people, uh, and you don't know where the conversation is going to go. We go on these weird tangents, mm-hmm. as we did in this <laughs> episode <laughs> of your taste. of your podcast, Randy. Yes, um, sniff. <laughs> but it is, it's a lot of fun, and mm-hmm. you find connections with people that you never thought you'd really have as deep of a connection with. Mm-hmm. And everybody has a story. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. Even the people are like I'm so boring. No one wants to know anything about me. And then all of a sudden, you unearth 
just mm. an amazing treasure trove of something that makes them truly unique. Yeah. Everyone What's their has, fingerprint? Everyone has their weird. And I love that you get to that yeah. on the show. It's, we just recently did an episode with uh, a woman who runs a company called Midwest Mud uh-huh. named Amber. And she was like, uh, you know, it's going to be awkward. And I don't even know what you guys want to talk to me about. I mean, there's not much. So we talk a little bit about her business, Midwest Mud, and she does ceramics. And one thing leads to another. And she's like, when well, I used to do, you know, like live, uh, you know, nude modeling. And we we're like, well, let's <laughs> explore like, that for a minute. <laughs> and she's and she like, I used to do taxidermy. Yeah. And we're like, let's go. And it's so before you get to the end of it, it's just in watching people. Th- there's that moment where they switch, where they mm-hmm. let their guard down and yeah. like they're just involved with it. I think the best compliment we have received so far, Tucker recently got it via Facebook with someone who said, you know, I listen to your podcast and it's like I'm having, it's like I'm there as a part of your yep. conversation. And so this guy dropped his cinnamon roll on the ground and ruined it while he's listening to JJ Meets World. And he was mad at us yeah. for like a split <laughs> he second. Said, he said, God damn it, Tucker. <laughs> he's a buddy of mine from high school. That's and so I didn't even know he listened to the podcast. And that was great to have him reach out yeah. to me like, yeah, I, I really like it. And here's, here's how I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's been a lot of fun. It's cool. been very, very unique. And thank you for being one of our first guests. Well, yeah. And taking a risk because when we first started this, trying to convince people to come on wasn't difficult, but they were definitely leery of it. <laughs> and setting a goal of releasing two episodes a week was really intense for us. And we've made every single uh, deadline. It's amazing. And we're bordering on our 100th episode, probably over 100 by the time this comes out. No big <laughs> deal or anything like that. I remember when you guys asked me, it was it was still like high school Randy being like, you want to include me? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be a part of this. Uh, another one of my favorite Randy stories that I'll tell real quick oh, is Randy joined me to drive to the Twin Cities and back in one night to see the producers. Oh, that was fun. In Minneapolis. It was the yeah. first touring company of the producers. And on the way back... Uh, Cody and I were driving and we thought Randy was asleep in the back seat. And so we were talking about different girls that were pretty at school that we like would like to date. And then all of a sudden Randy's oh. head pops up. And she goes, how about that Randy? <laughs> <laughs> and it was just the right moment where we had been talking about for long enough without mentioning her name that she was like, nope, I'm going to, I'm going to get knew. in there. And then I knew this. all the secrets. I knew how you felt about I know every girl. Everybody. <laughs> but did I spill the beans? No. no. I was a good friend. Randy is so good with beans. If you have beans, folks, <laughs> let Randy, it doesn't matter well, what the Beans. Yeah. Yep. Even if it's just handfuls of beans, mm-hmm. she's going to make sure they don't spill. Yep. <laughs> that should be the new name of your podcast. <laughs> don't spill no, the no beans. Spill Give no me beans. your beans. <laughs> Give me your beans. <laughs> that also reminds me, calling back to the fart conversation. <laughs> oh, good. There was a moment in time where you farted on me. All the time. <laughs> yeah, JJ sat on my head and farted yep. on me once. And then because you started doing it, other people started doing it. <laughs> And there was a point where I was like, everybody, stop farting on me. My brothers fart on me, and you fart on me. And I had to, like, really own my voice. That was, like, me owning my voice in, mm-hmm. in high school. So um, thank you for that opportunity. <laughs> I'm glad. You know, really, we're just trying to get you to find that voice. Yeah. You know. okay, that's what it was uh-huh. about. Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, you don't really understand what's going on, like, behind the scenes. But yeah. we had a lot of meetings about who would be farting on you when. <laughs> To make sure that we hit you at the it was right all time love, of the day. Really? Yeah. I love farts. 
Uh, All right. <laughs> let's, and on that uh, note, note, love farts. All right. Well, thank you guys. This has been great. Thanks for having me. It's got to be the episode title. Farts. Love farts. Love farts with JJ and Tucker. <laughs> okay. Yes. We resorted to fart jokes at the end there. What can you do? Laugh about it, I suppose, which I hope you got to do a few times during this episode. Bringing laughter and silliness and having fun into our lives on a daily basis is sadly getting lost. It's becoming something we save for weekend or monthly entertainment, if that. We get so caught up in our stress and the worries of the world that we forget that just being silly can be a much-needed act of processing that stress and breaking the stress response. And I really am thankful that I got to grow up with my family and with friends like JJ and Tucker, where the weirder, the better was encouraged and celebrated. But even I lose touch with that sometimes. We all do. So why not intentionally make space for it and make sure we aren't taking life so seriously? For starters, you can check out the JJ Meets World podcast and get your laugh on Fargo style. (laughs) And then, you know, just loosen up a bit. Check out events in your community where you can connect through live comedy or theater. Or better yet, get involved somewhere where you can be a part of creating it, creating your own. You can even just plan a fun party with your friends at home. Whatever it is, have more fun. It just might bring you that light and that joy that you have been missing. And if you'd like to connect even more with me and my self-care antics, you can come over and join my ever-growing Facebook group, The Simple Self-Care Circle. You can commune with other folks on the self-care journey And I do a lot of Q&A and Facebook Lives over there. And we also love to exchange funny gifts and videos from time to time. So yeah, we have a lot of fun. Just search Simple Self-Care Circle on Facebook and ask to join. You can also follow me on Instagram at NaturallyRandyK. That's naturally, R-A-N-D-I-K-A-Y. I just started doing this new thing on Instagram stories called Tiny Tip Tuesdays, where I share a quick, fun, and easy self-care practice that you can easily incorporate into your day. I just did my first one this week, and the people are digging it. So be sure to connect with me on there. And as always, you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen, and join me next time as the self-care conversation continues. Thank you for listening. I am your host, Randy Kay, a holistic wellness practitioner and educator. Through my online resources and one-on-one mentoring programs, I teach women holistic ways to tune into their inner wisdom and establish healing seasonal practices so they can know how to heal their own pain and feel healthy and at home from the inside out. And until we meet again, take good care and enjoy the journey.